1: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and to my immediate right, manning the controls, barking out orders like a general, but he is not the general,
0: he is the captain. I'm also to your immediate left, it's good to be seen and it's good to see you, thanks for listening and thanks for telling a friend.
1: In the garage, we are drinking Bennington from Night Shift Brewing in Massachusetts. Garage grade four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. Bennington is an oatmeal stout brewed with maple syrup, and it's a perfect cold weather beer. It's an oatmeal stout that is oat of this world, and brought to us by first up we have Kathy and Harvey's Lake, Pennsylvania.
0: And a big cheers to Susan and Sims. North Carolina.
1: Next up, we have Anthony, a French guy living in
0: London. And a big cheers, mates, to Heavenly, which is in the Navy.
1: Let's go overseas and give a long-distance cheers to Cassandra in Dublin, Ireland. And last but not least, we have Emma in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So thanks to everyone for filling up the fridge for this week's show. If you want to help us out with next week's show, go to TrueCrimeGarage.com and click on the donate button.
0: If you'd like to support the show and... In- other ways go to the website sign up on the mailing list or go to the store page and get yourself a nice swagalicious t-shirt i think that's word. that is work and if it's not i just made that shit up and that is enough for the business
1: all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime Ward Weaver III, his claims of being the number one suspect or at least being one of the top suspects in the disappearance of two young teenage girls might be right because at some point we know the police in Oregon City began to intensify their focus on Ward Weaver.
0: Well, and if they didn't at first, once you make these claims on public TV, maybe that gave them the inkling that they should make him the number one suspect.
1: Yeah. And while they were searching into all of these suspects, you know, we mentioned that at one time they said the suspect pool was as many as 30 suspects and then whittled down to 20, maybe 10, according to the FBI. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here, you know, especially regarding Ward Weaver, the third, the authorities collected his work records. They were looking into his whereabouts on the two days in question. They were reviewing Statements given by other people in the neighborhood, Right, asking questions to those people regarding his close ties to Ashley, one of the missing girls. And they even took search dogs out to rural spots where Ward Weaver liked to camp. Now Weaver, who has been divorced twice by this point, he has five children. He was described by police as a violent man with an explosive temper. And we know that to be fact based off of his criminal past. And according to county law enforcement records, police have been dispatched to Weaver's home 10 times since November of 2000. So within a span of less than two years, 10 times they were called out toward Weaver's home. Many of these calls were domestic in nature.
0: Yeah. They weren't just going out there to give him like the citizen of the year award. Right.
1: Right. Then in late June of 2002, Two detectives even made a trip to Idaho to interview Rodney Weaver. Remember, this is his half brother. Mm-hmm. Now, even though Rodney hadn't seen his brother in over a year, police wanted to speak with him. He told the police he never met Ashley or Miranda, the two potential victims. But he did tell investigators about the time that they went camping in rural Malala. Now, that has come up in a, in a case that we covered before, That that whole area there. Uh, This is an area that was searched by cadaver dogs regarding the investigation into Ward Weaver. Now, moving down our timeline a bit, unbeknownst to police, Rodney Weaver spoke with his brother via phone call. This is around the first or second week of August 2002. Now, during these phone calls, Ward Weaver told his half-brother he was sick of the police following him around town. He was sick of them tapping his phone lines and sick of the town that was calling him a suspect. Ward Weaver III was almost finished packing his things, according to what he told his brother, and he was planning to move out of state, possibly to Idaho, Washington State, or maybe even to Mexico. Then, in a dramatic change of events, on August thirteenth, two 2002, Ward Weaver's oldest son, Francis Weaver, contacted 911 and reported that his father had attempted to rape Francis's 19-year-old girlfriend. Francis urged the dispatcher to send police, and before Francis hung up the phone, he told the dispatcher that his father, Ward Weaver III, told him he had murdered both Ashley and Miranda. Police arrested Ward Weaver, holding him on $1 million bond. This was just for the rape allegations of his son's girlfriend. His son, Francis, was being questioned regarding his statement to the dispatcher regarding the missing girls. Francis, like his father, had his own troubles with the law. In fact, in 1999, Francis Weaver shot a rifle into a truckload of teens, injuring his best friend. This was in Idaho, north of Twin Falls. He was charged with aggravated assault, a felony, and served several weeks in a juvenile detention facility.
0: All right, so we have Francis, which is the son of Ward Weaver the third. Yes, sir. So he's shooting into—he's uh, shooting at cars full of people. So he's a shitbag, bag. His father's a shitbag, bag, and we know Ward Weaver's the third's father is a shitbag, bag mm-hmm. junior. Mm-hmm. So we this have is a
1: very violent family. We have generations of of wildly violent men. So we have family,
0: right? So the, the shit sandwich doesn't fall too far from the shit tree or something like that.
1: Well, that sandwich would be like a club sandwich or a, a big Mac club, you know, a sandwich sandwich. where you have three layers to
0: it. Mm, It'd be a whopper is what you're saying. A a shit whopper.
1: Well, the first thing that, that drove me crazy when I was looking into this case was the smell. (laughs) Uh, No, these allegations by Francis Weaver right because you're talking about this is like months and months later after both these girls went missing and he's saying to the 911 dispatcher hey my father told me that he abducted and killed those two girls
0: but when though because if it was months ago then you're just kind of proving that how big of a pizza
1: well, well and that's that's what i was wondering i'm like how long did francis weaver sit on this information However, it looks to me like Francis Weaver actually lived most of the time with his brother's, uh, with his father's half brother. Right, and it looks like he would come and stay from time to time with his father. So Francis Weaver may not have known this information until very shortly before calling nine one one. In fact. Learning this information may have come about because of the attack on his girlfriend. I couldn't find anything out there to definitively state when Francis Weaver was claims that he heard this confession from his father that he had killed those two girls.
0: Right. So, right. And then authorities could be just going, you're making this up. Well, either way that we know the allegations of his father trying to rape his girlfriend, that's for reals.
1: Yes, and that's what they're going to hold Ward Weaver the third on, on that rape allegation. And you hit the nail on the head there, Captain, because some of the investigators, they believed Francis Weaver's claims. Heck, most of them thought Ward Weaver was their guy even before the new rape allegations. Mm-hmm. But there were some that wondered if Francis made up that part of the story, you know, of his dad having killed the girls because he was, simply angry about the attack on his girlfriend, knowing that his father might have already been a suspect
0: in those cases. Yeah. And you would be mad and should be mad.
1: The other thing was the exact, uh, under questioning, the exact details of that confession from father to son. Uh, the way that Francis would tell the investigators about that, those details changed from time to time in Francis's story. So yeah. th- that called it into question a little more. Yeah. But regardless, uh, Francis Weaver did maintain that his father confessed to him that he killed the girls.
0: Well, and the tricky thing here though, is the confession to him could have been very small as far as details go. And then they start asking you for more details and you don't know. So that therefore you start making those up.
1: You also have to wonder, was that actually some kind of threat that Ward Weaver posed to Francis's girlfriend and that maybe Francis didn't hear it directly from his father's mouth, you know, during Mm -hmm. the course of attacking that, that woman, uh, Francis's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. was that part of the threats that were made? Because we've covered other cases where we have repeat offenders when they are going after a victim and things aren't going their way, they will use anything as a threat.
0: Well, and you have again, Ward Weaver, the third, which is a, a big shit, a big Mac. And then we have the whopper of a shit Francis. Then you start wondering, maybe they both were involved.
1: Possibly, but again, it's very likely Francis Weaver wasn't even in. Oh, right.
0: That's right. You know, because
1: it doesn't seem to be that that was his main residence.
0: Well, I probably would have, if I was the lead detective on this, that would have demoted me. Right there, <laughs> you would have got put back on the. Hey, wait a minute! We
1: need He's, you to answer the phones for a few months, Captain.
0: Didn't Nick just say he lived with his brother's half brother?
1: You're on bicycle patrol.
0: That's how. Uh, give, give me horse duty.
1: <laughs> the the uh, where we grew up, Captain. I nobody has directly said this to me, but I have to believe that bicycle patrol was like some form of punishment for <laughs> for, for the, the office. Yeah, for the police. No. Um, anyway, the, the FBI, what what does come of this is that the FBI and the local authorities, regardless of what level of suspect they believed Ward Weaver III to be, they finally were able to obtain a warrant to search his property because of these new allegations. Right. On August 24th, FBI agents searched Weaver's home and they found the remains of Miranda Gaddis inside a box in a storage shed. Jesus. The following day, they found the remains of Ashley Pond inside a barrel, which was buried under a slab of concrete that Weaver had recently put down for a hot tub or so he claimed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, one thing regarding that interview that we referenced yesterday, when he and when Ward Weaver, the third being a suspect right. living near the crime scene, invites the camera crew and invites Uh, a reporter into his home and walks her around his home as he answers questions and speaks to uh, being a suspect in the case of two missing girls. There's one part of the interview when he's leading them out, they go out through like the back door of his home and they go around the side. And I might have this wrong because I I don't know the full layout of this property, Mm -hmm. but at one point they walk over top of this concrete slab that he had poured to cover up the remains of this poor girl. Great. And some have wondered, was that another, was that another shot at all the people looking at him as a suspect? Like, you know, just kind of doing his thing and walking right over top of the concrete that he had poured.
0: Well, he is a real arrogant son of a bitch. Anyways, he he's, he's one of those people that not only does he think he's the smartest guy in the room, he thinks he's the smartest guy in any town he goes in is what it seems to me and so that would be like you said a shot hey come in talk to me they 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 say i'm the number one guy and uh and then by the way let's walk over her remains mm-hmm. while you leave so
1: well and you know what if what his half brother says is true ward weaver was packing up his things and getting ready to get out of town yeah you know if he would have went to mexico Who knows? I mean, I'm sure they would have searched that property or figured out a way to search that property at some point with him being gone. But would they have been able to catch up with him? Right. So on October 2nd, 2002, Ward Weaver.
0: Or catch up with him or catch him in time before he did something else stupid.
1: Yeah, right, right, exactly. On the 2nd of October, Ward Weaver was indicted on charges of six counts of aggravated murder, two counts of abuse of a corpse in the second degree, one count of sexual abuse in the first degree, and one count of attempted rape in the second degree, one count of attempted aggravated murder, one count of attempted rape in the first degree, and one count of sexual abuse in the first degree. Mm -hmm. Um, To avoid the death penalty, Ward Weaver III pled guilty to murdering his daughter's friends. Right. And he received two life sentences without the possibility of parole for the deaths of Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis.
0: Yeah. Well, he's not going to do well in prison anyways.
1: Strangely enough, the same month that Ward Weaver, the third was indicted on the murder and rape charges. His son who turned him in Francis Weaver is accused of threatening uh, some relatives. Apparently he called his aunt and two cousins and threatened their lives during a phone call.
0: Okay, so we got the grandpa. He's charged.
1: Death sentences for the, the grandfather. Death sentences.
0: Then the son, the third, mm-hmm. he now has two life sentences. Now we have the, the, the grandson, Francis. Francis. Yep. And he is threatening people in his family.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's already shot at a vehicle with people right. in it. Now he's threatening his family. So... It's the third generation of of wild violence, really. I mean, of these
0: violent men. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just trying to keep up with these turds.
1: Well, then in 2005, Francis Weaver was charged with breaking into a southeast Portland home, holding the residents hostage and then robbing them. He was acquitted, though, in court. Then later that same year, police and firefighters came across a puzzling scene, finding Edward Kelly Spangler, of Grant's Pass, lying outside his Hyundai SUV in Locust City Park. It was obvious that he had crashed the vehicle into a tree, but it wasn't until they examined him closely that they found he had suffered multiple gunshot wounds. Spangler, age 43, was pronounced dead at the scene. Now, working with the major crimes unit, police then traced Spangler's path to a nearby apartment complex for which they obtained search warrants. They soon arrested 27-year-old Michael Oren, who admitted that he shot Spangler twice in the head, according to the court documents. Now, police also arrested Francis Weaver at the apartment complex, oh,
0: Francis.
1: initially charging him with robbery. Meanwhile, Oren reportedly told police where they could find another accomplice. This is 32-year-old Shannon Betancourt. A Portland Police Bureau cert team served a search warrant at the home of Betancourt in Portland, where Betancourt was arrested. According to court documents, police believe Weaver, Oren, and Betancourt stalked Spangler, planning to steal 15 pounds of marijuana that Spangler had brought from Southern Oregon for a cash exchange. But the robbery didn't go smoothly, and then they killed Spangler. After a round of interviews, authorities filed a new charge against Francis Weaver for murder and then convicting him of such.
0: But they convicted him and somebody else.
1: Correct. It was this, this team of three that had planned to rob this man and ultimately led to the murder of Spangler. Mm-hmm. Regarding the deaths of Ashley and Miranda, the two girls from the Ward Weaver the third case, we would get some updates and some clarity as to what happened in those specific cases. It would take some years for some of this to come to light, but Miranda's sister, Mariah, she started communicating with Ward Weaver, the once he was in prison, serving his two life sentences. And she wanted some answers as to what happened. And he would tell her some of the things that, that occurred that led up to their murder. Now, it took about 3 years, I'm sorry. It took about I think it was 6 or 7 years after he was imprisoned that he finally told Mariah that the reason that he killed Ashley mm-hmm. was because he feared that he was going to eventually face charges for the rape allegations. Right. And there there're not any details as to how the abduction took place. I mean it could have been as simple as he picked her up on the street on her way to the a uh, bus stop. Mm-hmm. She could have shown up after the bus a- actually took off or before the other kids. And he could have got her there as well. But we do know that he admitted to having a motive, let's say for killing this young girl. The other thing though, too, is Mariah wanted to know, well, why did you kill my sister Miranda? Mm-hmm. And what Ward Weaver told her was that, that Miranda was near his home and saw him doing something. And and I'm, I'm confused as to what it was that he was doing. His Mm -hmm. statement is simply that he was doing something. And I don't know if Mariah cleaned this up for the papers or if he didn't directly tell her what that something was, Mm -hmm. but he simply says he was in the middle of something. He was doing something. Miranda saw him and he got scared and he panicked. Unfortunately, he used basically the love and the friendship between the two girls to lure her into his home. Mm -hmm. He basically told Miranda that Ashley is inside his house, that Ashley wants to come home. Keep in mind, she was missing for two months by this point Mm -hmm. that Ashley wants to come home, but she's scared. And this is what got Miranda to go over to his house and go into his home that eventually led to,
0: the Murder. Well, and she could have saw him digging a hole, putting the concrete down, moving the body.
1: Yeah, keeping- I, I think that's probably likely what was going on because, like I said, when I saw portions of that interview with Ward Weaver, mm-hmm. the, the placement of that concrete when he walked over the concrete with the reporter, it looked to me like that was on the side of his home. Mm-hmm. And if somebody was coming up the hill, approaching the bus stop they would have very likely seen him doing something on the side of that house. Right. And he may have saw, he may have thought that she saw something that she in fact did not see. Right. And right. then he, then he, you know, tricks her into coming into the house
0: or he's a lying piece of shit. And he didn't, he didn't kill Ashley to stop the rape charges. He killed her so he could rape her again. And then he decided to rape another girl and kill her as well.
1: Well, let's think about this for a minute. Because you have about six months or so that go that go by between the time that these allegations come forward about the, the rape or molestation mm-hmm. before she's abducted and killed. Six months. So what he he just sat there scared for six months and did nothing about it and all of a sudden one day decided to take action? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. See here here's here's the issue here, okay? And we see this time and time again with a lot of serial killers. And that's what we need to go ahead and label Ward Weaver third as. We know he killed two. He very likely was going to kill Francis Weaver's girlfriend during that attack. Yeah. Something stopped that. Something prevented that from happening. But what we have here is excuses. And we see this time and time again. There's an excuse for the murder. When really that... The the simple fact of it, you're making this up. You're making this up because there were there were reasons that you attacked and killed these young girls, and none of it has to do with the excuses that you've brought up and that you've told to her sister. Right? I I killed Ashley to cover up the rape allegations. Mm-hmm. But I waited over six months. Yeah, and then
0: doesn't doesn't make a lot of logical sense.
1: And then Miranda saw me in the middle of something. Mm-hmm and i got scared and i
0: panicked jerking off on the porch
1: but it's in Mm. in a way it's almost like victim blaming like blaming your eventual murder victims that oh i had i had to do this because of this
0: yeah she she she's going to charge me with rape charges i had to kill her it's it's then her friend saw me you know it's not that
1: i'm just it's not that i'm just an evil child killer or an Mm. evil woman killer it's it's. I had to do it because of this. I don't buy it for a second. I don't buy it for a second. It might have saved him um, s- some grief or whatever when he had to talk to uh, her sister so many years later. And you know what? Kudos to Mariah, right? Mm-hmm. Kudos to her for going and saying and demanding answers from this scumbag. Look me in the face. Look me in the eye and tell me why you killed my sister. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy thing
0: to do. No, and you're. But also, this guy's a liar, and he again. I mean, he's. When they said he was a suspect, he put the blame on his father. This guy is not, You know, that's. Look, if if you're one of these people that keep blaming everything, society, this, that, this, this is what path you might be leading down because this is what these people do. Mm-hmm. So he he, but he does it time and time again. So yes, it's very brave of her. Is she going to get the answers that she's looking for? No, but there's probably some truth to the idea that, yes, um, your sister saw me doing something. What that something is, we I guess we just won't know.
1: We don't know. Or, but but again, or does he just, does she just fit his victimology? You know what I mean? She's, I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is, too. I think it, these are sexually motivated murders and abductions. I a, yeah, I
0: think he's a rapist and a murderer. Right.
1: And I think that is the real answer behind all of this. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest
0: and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule.
1: With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian-approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code True Crime Garage 50 at factormeals.com slash True Crime Garage 50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
0: Then we're back. Cheers, my mates. Baboom. Ba- babushka.
1: Um, you know, this is kind of a good study, a good case study, you know, the old question of nature versus nurture. Do these, you know, are we born to, are some people born to kill mm-hmm. or are they created by their environment that they grow up in as a child or society around them? And this is one of those interesting cases where it's unlike many, many other cases out there where we have three generations of killers. We have Ward Weaver Jr. who was convicted and sentenced to death in California. Now he did ultimately appeal those death sentences. I don't think he had any luck with the, you know, overturning those, Mm -hmm. you know, good, good for us. And the thing in mind, the thing to keep in mind here though, is remember the statement given by the FBI later where they're like, Look, this guy, he's got two death sentences already. He was already facing 42 years in prison before we brought those death penalty cases against him for violent crimes, for, for abduction and, and attempted murder. Right. And we have 26 unsolved homicide cases that we can track back to his truck trucking routes. We don't know if he was involved in those or not. Now, I'm not well, going he's
0: involved in some of them. I'm not I'd, to get I'd place a bet on that.
1: I I think you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to turn all cold case Cameron on you and believe that he's what? responsible Who? for all 26 of them, but look at the the two crimes that we know that he did. One was two people that he ha- he happened upon because their vehicle broke down. Yeah. And the other two were uh runaways hitchhiking. Right. So how many times in the course of his long haul trucking career did he just happen upon some people? It doesn't appear that he needed much motivation for abduction and murder other than if a female was present right. when he happened upon these people.
0: Sexually motivated, which when you look at his son, his crimes are sexually motivated as well.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then you have the grandson, Francis Weaver, who his crimes are, are somewhat different, but ultimately he's convicted of murder as well. Right.
0: You know, his crimes are more doesn't seem sexually motivated though.
1: No, it just seems like a, like a violent man um, mm-hmm. regarding shooting into a vehicle full of, of kids your age and then robbing and, and murdering, you know, it's more of, of thug want to be gangster type mm-hmm. crimes. I, I you know, if I had to give them, such a title
0: right I think the issue here is is if you could identify a gene that you said okay all serial killers or all violent offenders have this gene then the question becomes do you lock them up before they commit a crime because you know that they have that gene Mm -hmm. and so it's like because you you look at this way when they take Dahmer in when he was having some issues as a kid and they have him talk to like a therapist, right? Right. And the therapist does this test and comes back and say, hey, Dahmer has this gene that possibly will lead him to be a serial killer. Do you lock them up or do you let them live and to see what happens? And I think this, this is kind of a question that people keep posing to the true crime community.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, yeah. Again, some have argued that it's nature. Some have argued that it's nurture. I, I think that the look, there's a lot of good arguments for both, both stances on
0: this. Right. But the, but the, but that's not the question. The question is if you knew definitively that this guy has the serial killer gene, do you lock them up before they commit any crime?
1: That, that's such a tough thing to answer because I, I mean, I
0: cause part of you wants to say yes, of course, of, because, right. because then they don't commit any crimes and they're not going to kill any, any innocent people. And, and that's a good thing. But then on the other hand, you go, well, I guess if they can control themselves, then maybe we, we don't lock them up and, and hopefully they can control, they could control themselves now that they know this information Mm -hmm. that, Hey, you have this gene. Um, But again, with all these serial killers, I mean, all you hear all the time is about these urges. So is anybody even capable of stopping these urges?
1: Well, and from, from as far as we know, most of these serial killers come from, they're not they're not born and bred from other serial killers you know what i mean like right. this is a unique situation here where we have three generations of murderers and i think i'm of the the belief that that a lot of things are unique and that every case is unique and every suspect is an individual And needs to be looked at as such. I I don't really like throwing everybody into a big batch together and just saying, hey, they're all cookie cutter. They're all carbon copies of one another.
0: Right. It's almost like it's hard to study them beforehand. You have to wait until the crimes happen. Does that make sense? Like now that we're looking back on them, hindsight, we can see the development.
1: Yeah, and I'm of the belief that it's as much of one as it is the other. I think it's a, a mash of the two. I don't think that there's a definitive argument for it being just one, nature well, or nurture. Right.
0: It's probably a percentage, but in the case of like a Dahmer, I would go you know, nature versus nurture, I'd say it's probably eighty twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy was just born with some things wrong mm-hmm. with him. Um, especially when you have a father that's trying to get you help, uh, especially that when you have a father that's so concerned about you and so concerned about your, how you're, um, reacting and interacting in society. So I'd lean more towards nature there, but I think you're right. It's some kind of percentage of those two.
1: And I believe that in this case that we discussed this week, especially with Ward Weaver, the third, I believe that there was a lot of signs when he was a teenager that this is a violent man with right. with with a strange sexual appetite. You know, it the, Yeah,
0: but the same strange sexual appetite that his father had.
1: Correct. Correct. And the weird thing there is you could make an argument that there it, it was a gene that was passed down between the two because basically Ward Weaver Jr. didn't really raise Ward Weaver III. He was right. only around until the kid was about four, right. and then he took off. But then you could also argue, you know, people would say, well, then it can't be nurture in this specific situation, but how do we know that him not being there didn't mold Ward Weaver III in a, in a certain way? Right. But you know, again, e- even looks, just not being there is again, part of it.
0: To me, it's like with Ward Weaver, the third, you start going, "Ah, it seems like it's more nature Mm -hmm. than nurture.
1: Well, in a strange twist to this whole thing, after Francis Weaver was arrested and convicted of murder, Mm -hmm. well, as we know, most states that have felony convictions, they then take your DNA. Well, when they took his DNA, they learned that he was, in fact, not the biological son of Of Ward Weaver the third.
0: You are not the father.
1: Again, not the father.
0: Yeah. Mm. Maury would be so proud of us.
1: You know what's wild is if you look at a picture of Wild. Weaver Jr., Weaver the Third, and Francis Weaver. Mm -hmm. So Junior and the Third look a lot alike. Like you can easily look at the two of them and go, okay, that's father and son. Mm. If you look at Francis Weaver, I don't think he looks anything like it didn't look anything like Ward Weaver the Third.
0: Yeah. Well, but you wonder if he knew.
1: The son, Francis, or if Weaver the Third knew.
0: If Weaver the Third knew. I'm, I'm cl- assuming that this the son didn't know.
1: It's interesting that you bring that up because remember Weaver the Third attacked his wife when she was pregnant with their first born. Yeah. Remember he sent her to the hospital and she refused to press charges against him. You know, we don't often get to do this, but um, we will get to this week and I what I like in this next part too, you know when you watch the you ever watch the the Sunday evening news like the the national news mm-hmm. and look, if you're not in a good space, don't watch the national news because it's just bad after bad, after tragic story. Mm-hmm. I, sometimes I sit down to watch it and I feel great about myself and the world we live in. And then I'm in a dark place about 45 minutes into it.
0: But continue to listen to our show every Tuesday at 7 p.m.
1: But remember on uh, like Anchorman, they did this in the movie Anchorman and they uh, they do it on the national news every week where I, they show I'm you all these terrible, tragic stories and then they leave you with like polar bears playing together you know, a happy story oh, right, at right, the right. end. You know, Man, I think it was the, the squirrel that was swimming in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for this story, and I know that I, I should be a bigger, better human being, but I'm sorry, I'm just not capable yet. Mm-hmm. Um, this took place in 2008, I believe. Ward Weaver III, who was serving time, he was, you know, serving out his two life sentences.
0: 60% of the time, it works all the time.
1: This was in the Snake River Correctional Institution. What? Snake River Correctional Institution. Mm. So, Ward Old Weaver the third. He, he actually lives in the uh, segregated portion of this institution. You know, because you take the, the high risk inmates and you keep them separate because there are people in general population that want to harm or kill these inmates. Right. So he is getting a haircut. And I guess that the, the way that this works here is that the barber is another inmate. Is it a mullet and a mullet?
0: His haircut.
1: Well, I don't know what kind of, no, he's getting a perm. I have Mm. no idea what, what he was getting, what Mm -hmm. style he was going for. Um, you you may not even get to choose because I know that they're not allowed to use, scissors they're not
0: permitted to use scissors block the seagull
1: they use electric razors instead mm-hmm. but during the course of this haircut now mind you the barber and weaver are the only two in the room at the time the barber stabbed weaver multiple times he fashioned a shank from a i believe it was from a toothbrush
0: mm. and so <laughs> i know you did
1: <laughs> look that's that's what i
0: like i'm like I feel should be laughing.
1: Yeah. I don't know the answer to that though. Should I not be laughing? (laughs) I mean, look, like I said, I want to be a bigger, better person, but I'm not, or
0: are you a better person? If you are laughing,
1: that's true. That's what I question.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, this son of a bitch raped and murdered kids. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I'll laugh at his death.
1: We, well, he didn't die. He didn't die. Oh, he survived the stabbing.
0: Does he at least talk funny or something now? I don't know. Where was he stabbed?
1: Uh, In the neck and shoulders. Mm. So it was a good attempt by this Marvin Lee Taylor, 44, who was... Hey,
0: Marvin, you should have stabbed him in the rectum.
1: Was eventually charged with assault, possession of a weapon, and supplying contraband. Oh,
0: and Um, I wonder what what did he say to the barber? Did he start an argument? We know he's violent. Or was it simply, like you said... They find out what Weaver did, and they go, "I'm taking this guy down."
1: Well, Weaver would be on the lowest rung of the prison population, right? You know, as 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 you know, silly as it seems, that there's different levels of these. I don't think it's silly or, or society there, that they live in.
0: I, you know, there's there's something about it. Look, bigger person, not bigger person. I don't give a shit. There's something I like about the fact that if you do something, you take a child's life, you harm a child and you go to prison That somehow they find out about it and they decide to say, we're drawing a line and we're going to, we're going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And these are, some of these people are the worst of the worst, Mm -hmm. but there's guys in prison that have killed multiple people, but they killed adults. And then they're saying, Hey, this guy killed a child. I'm going to take him out. I, I there's something that I that I like about that, and, and maybe that makes me a horrible person. It doesn't bother. We're getting really dark right now.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't bother me, and I don't think it would bother most. That that
0: I'm saying, I enjoy it.
1: I don't think that it You know, it doesn't bother me one bit that this person is a marked man. You know that if you go to. If you go to prison for this type of cr- these type of crimes,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Do we have like a therapist sponsor this week? Because I might have to call my therapist this week and tell them that I like the fact that there's prison justice. Mm-hmm. And, and ask them if that makes me a bad person. I don't think so. I think it makes me a good person.
1: Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with people. You, look, you have to be held accountable for your actions and that doesn't stop after you're convicted in a court of law, right? Yeah. I mean you're still going to be judged by your peers mm-hmm. ultimately for the rest of your days, right?
0: Yeah. And it'd be hard to know if you what you would do if, if you're supposed to spend life in prison for something and you you had to spin it with these monsters. What what would you do? Mm-hmm. So it's tough, but with this gene, it's like, I think maybe technology will advance more. We'll, we'll know more about this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's, uh, it's like, I don't know how, where we're at now, but it's like, I think, I don't know where I, I don't even know if I want to talk about it because it seems almost like a political thing. Like, I don't know if you should be able to choose your, your baby's sex, or if you should be able to choose your baby's eye color or, or any of that stuff.
1: Well, the idea of it's interesting. The idea of a, of, of a possible mm-hmm. murder gene is interesting to ponder that thought and to question that. I don't think the cases we've covered so many cases, I don't feel like we see so much of, of signs of that. That, it, that it's something that actually exists. Right. You know, and in that case that we referenced during the trailer, Mobley versus the state of Georgia that to me, it just seems like a defense that you come up with when there's no other defense to put forth. Right. My clients, look, we can't confirm, we can't find a doctor to tell you that he's clinically or legally insane, Mm -hmm. but he might have this murder gene that means he's not responsible for his own actions. He can't control himself. He has no no ability to, to control himself in a certain situation. It's proven genetically that he's going to behave erratically and super violent in certain situations because of how he's his DNA, his genetic makeup. It's just far fetched. It's far fetched.
0: And if there was a murder gene, but the different kind of gene, do you think they would sell those at like hot topics or like Ab- Abercrombie and fitch? What Mur- do you think what do you think murder genes would look like?
1: Murder skinny jeans?
0: Maybe they would be skinny. I think they would look like skinny jeans, but the the design would be like zumbas.
1: I get angry in skinny jeans because I can't sit down.
0: (laughs) Humble brag.
1: Humble brag that I can't sit down because
0: your your junk is too big. That's not what I meant. Well, that's what I was going with the humble brag.
1: But what we can agree on here, Captain, is we both feel that it is a combination of nature and nurture that molds these people into this violent behavior Mm -hmm. later in their life. And what is interesting though, and is that we will continue to study this and we will continue to learn from this. Unfortunately, true crime is a part of our history. And if we choose to ignore it, we fail to learn from it.
0: Well, and also remember that if it is a combination of nature and nurture, that we're a part of the nurture. As a society. So be excellent to each other. And we're going to do a little
1: recommended viewing for everybody this week. This week recommending the new docuseries Murder Mountain. It is director, very good friend of the show, Joshua Zeman. Mm -hmm. One of his new projects. This is on Netflix. So you don't have to rush out and buy a book or anything like that. You can just watch it on Netflix and enjoy it. I'm about halfway through the docu-series right now. How is it? It's very good. And, you know, and Joshua always does good stuff, you know. Yeah. And we had him on the show, um what was it, about two years ago, to discuss the Killing Season docu-series that he did on
0: A&E. Which was really good.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And it, that kind of centered around the Long Island serial killer case, mm-hmm. which we've covered multiple times, and we've even discussed off-mic of getting back into that case because it's been such a big one for us in the first couple seasons of True Crime Garage. But Murder Mountain, it's about uh Humboldt County, California, the big business of legal marijuana brings in visitors from all around the world, and some are never seen again. So check out Murder Mountain by our good friend Joshua Zeman on Netflix.
0: Sounds good. I'll check it out this weekend. And everybody, thanks so much for supporting the show. Thanks for sharing on social media. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for telling your mothers. Until next week, everybody, be good, be kind, don't let it.